Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Media 101 podcast. My name is Paul Parker, and I'm joined today by special guest Noah Thurr. And we're going to be discussing the Silicon Valley Bank crisis. Thank you for that, Paul. I'm super excited to be here and super excited to be speaking to you all about this Silicon Valley banking crisis. To sum it all up in a brief sentence, we will be discussing the banking crisis itself and its impact on the economy and diving into a little bit about how it, imp- how it was impacted by tech and media, the greater impact on the banking world going forward, and how exactly this all happened. SVB, a bank that has played a significant role in supporting tech startups, has been hit really hard by a run on its deposits. This sudden shift raised concerns about the stability of the banking sector and its impact on the wider economy. To give a little more context, banking crises are no new phenomenon and history has shown that they can have severe economic consequences. The Great Depression in the 1930s was caused in part by a banking crisis, which led to widespread bank failures and a super sharp decline in economic activity. Similarly, the global financial crisis of 08 was triggered by a banking crisis that started with the collapse of Lehman Brothers, a major bank in New York, which ultimately led to a credit crunch and a severe recession. In the case of SVB, or Silicon Valley Bank, as we'll be referring to it today, the run on deposits was triggered by rising interest rates, which lowered the value of many long-term bonds that the bank had heavily invested in as a hedge against risk. However, there have been some reports over the bank's exposure to risky loans as well, and potential impact of a recession on its loan portfolio, which raised suspicions and caused people to pull out ultimately. These concerns led some depositors to withdraw from their fund, which in turn sparked the run. Could you tell me a little bit more about SVB's role in working with tech startups? Yeah, of course, that's a great segue, Paul. The recent banking crisis at SVB is particularly significant because the bank is a major player with tech startups. SVB has been the banker to around 50% of all VC-funded technology and life sciences companies in the United States. That is a massive, massive portion. It provides a range of services to these companies, including deposit accounts, loans, payment processing. In addition to all that, SVB is a subsidiary in London, serving tech companies in the UK and continental Europe. So this is no small bank. They are a major player and a major player in some of the faster growing businesses and hot topics in the world. The impact of the crisis is not limited to SVB's customers, as you might think. The tech startup sector is a key driver of innovation and economic growth, especially after the the web bubble and in the world we live in today, driving technological innovation is super important. Any disruption to its financing could have ripple effects on the wider economy, not just in the US, not just in the Western hemisphere, but across the globe. If SVB's troubles spread to other banks that serve tech startups, it could lead to a loss of confidence in the banking sector and a slowdown in economic activity, not just for startup companies or banks that tailor to startups or more niche banks, but even to major players. Well, then what would be the impact of the wider economy if that were to happen? That could be super significant. Bank runs can cause even major banks to fail, like I've mentioned with Lehman Brothers which can have a domino effect on the wider economy as a whole. Businesses may struggle to get access to credit, leading to a slowdown in economic growth and potentially a recession. 
In addition to that, a loss of confidence in the banking sector can lead to a sharp decline in stock prices, which can further erode economic growth. That recession that I mentioned a second ago. In this case of SVB, the impact on the wider economy is not yet clear because it's so fresh and new. However, if the crisis is if the crisis at SVB spreads to other banks, it could lead to a loss in confidence in the banking sector that I mentioned and could really, really hurt the U.S. economy. So what was the role of social media in this crisis and in causing this crisis? It's funny that you say that because this is really unique in the nature that it is the first major crisis where the modern way of technology that we live with and have become so accustomed to has really played a role. It can't be ignored. It was really imperative in the situation. Social media has become interwoven in our social lives and financial lives, and this was not the case even in 2008. According to Jonas Golterman, a senior economist at Capital Economics in London, social media has helped drive bank runs in recent days. Social media platforms like Twitter and Reddit have been used to spread rumors and misinformation about SVB's financial health, which may have contributed to the run on deposits. However, there is growing upside to the lightning fast transfer of financial information and social information. According to Georgetown's Agarwal, in in terms of a run, you have to get from one equilibrium point to another equilibrium point. In other words, the system needs to find its balance. During the Great Depression, coming to grips with the economic situation took a lot of time because the flow of information was so much slower. Today, that process is sped up exponentially. I think it's better to come to that new equilibrium sooner rather than bleed through it over days and weeks and even months, Agarwal says. Finally, it's important to note that the banking crisis at SVB highlights the need for better regulation of the banking sector. It raises questions about the adequacy of current regulations and whether they are sufficient to prevent future banking crises. The crisis also emphasizes the importance of financial education for consumers to help them make informed decisions about their money and prevent panic-driven actions like bank runs. While this situation is different in that they were highly educated financial people being supported by venture capitalists that are also highly educated in finance, the regulatory structure has proven to not do what it is supposed to. And Regardless of the nature of the crisis, whether it be consumer-driven or business-driven or startup-driven, there needs to be more stringent regulation that does a better job of ensuring protection for consumers and banks. In conclusion of all that that I just said, the recent banking crisis at SVB has caused significant concern about the stability of the banking sector. All of these things that I mentioned really come together to create skepticism around how certain people's deposits are, whether your money in a bank is as safe as you may have initially thought it was, and whether your money is where it should be. The role of social media in driving bank runs has raised questions about the benefits and drawbacks of our increasingly connected world, where I can connect with someone all the way across the planet in less than a minute and have information relayed rapidly, when that has not been the case for the majority of our time on planet Earth. While the crisis has highlighted the need for better regulation and financial education, it may also speed up the process of getting through a recession, a depression, or even just a smaller crisis. And that is a silver lining to it all. Uh, You've mentioned it, but um, can you elaborate on what actually caused the banking crisis? 
Yeah, it was a pretty interesting story. It all it all was tied into Silicon Valley Bank, but that was not the only bank involved, and there were a number of factors that led to this happening. Firstly, the Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates since last year to combat inflation, which has gone rampant since COVID. This has made investors risk-averse, leading to a decreased appetite for risk, um, especially for major risks. As a result, tech startups, which are SVB's primary clients, have been affected by that risk-averse nature. As high interest rates cause the market for initial public offerings or IPOs to shut down for many startups and many private fundraising more costly, some SVB clients started pulling money out to meet their liquidity needs. Liquidity being the amount of cash on hand. This culminated in SVB looking for ways to meet its customers' withdrawals. And customers at SVB tried to withdraw $42 billion in a single day. This was really, really bad for Silicon Valley Bank. There is maybe no bank in the U.S. or the world that can handle $42 billion in withdrawals. And SVB not being the biggest bank in the world... They are a large player, but not the biggest player. They could not handle that. So they had to find some solution. What they came up with, and maybe not in the best way possible, um, they sold $21 billion of their bond portfolio, consisting mostly of U.S. treasuries and long-term U.S. treasuries, which had lost a lot of value due to the rising interest rates. The portfolio was yielding an average 1.79%, far below the current 10-year treasury yield of around 3.9%. This forced SVB to recognize a $1.8 billion loss, which is not a comfortable loss for any bank. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot, right? It had to fill through it had to fill all that through a capital raise. And capital raises when done privately can be super helpful and a great way to get out of trouble, especially for banks. But this was done a little more publicly than I think SVB would have done if they had another shot at it. Um they announced Thursday of the crisis that it would be selling $2.25 billion in common equity and preferred convertible stock to fill its funding hole. Some SVB clients pulled their money from the bank on the advice of venture capital firms such as Peter Thiel's Future Fund. And these venture capital firms that were involved with a number of startups and heavily intertwined at Silicon Valley Bank really like pulled out the rug on SVB and kind of excuse my French, screwed them over for what they were able to do. Um, This this series of events was quite unfortunate and ended up spooking investors such as General Atlantic that SVB had lined up for that stock sale and their capital raising effort, which would have gone fine and would have kept them afloat for quite some time and maybe we could have avoided all of this, it fell through. The next day, SVB scrambled to find alternative funding, including through a sale of the company as a whole. Later in the day, the FDIC then announced that SVB was shut down and placed under its receivership, which ultimately means that the government took control of the bank. The FDIC added that it would seek to sell SVB's assets and that future dividend payments may be made to uninsured depositors. This was bad. This was really, really bad. There was a lot of panic in the market around what was going on. And a receivership for a bank the size of SVB is never a good thing. So there was tons of uncertainty. The market was very volatile those two days. Um, And the days following, 
The collapse of SVB also highlights the role of government policies and banking regulations that I previously mentioned a little bit. Congress passed the Dodd-Frank Act a while ago, which imposed stricter regulations on the banking sector. In 2018, under the Trump administration, Congress scaled back Dodd-Frank, raising the threshold for increased scrutiny of banks from $50 billion in assets to $250 billion. So this created a whole chunk of banks that had previously been seen as those massive banks that were now considered mid-sized banks. And while they still had tons of assets, they were enabled to avoid this increased scrutiny that banks like Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan would still have to face. Dodd-Frank consists of 17 different laws, including stress tests made by Dodd-Frank and the Fed to supervise and regulate banks. Title II of the Dodd-Frank of Dodd-Frank states that banks have to submit a so-called living will that states what the bank will do in a time of crisis, explaining how they will, I guess, die in an orderly way that does not include the FDIC. However, the regulatory breakdown has been cited as a major factor that led to the collapse of SVB. The supervisors retained all of the tools necessary to pursue any question of risk concentration or risk management up to and including forcing a bank into liquidation, which means selling off all their assets and paying out all deposits. However, the supervisors failed to act on the red flags that were present. And as a result, the bank was unable to die in that living will, that orderly way that they had previously laid out. Could you tell me a little bit more about how banking um, practices are affected by technological advancements? Yeah, of course. I mean, as all things are, the world is different nowadays than it was during previous banking crises. Like I mentioned the transfer of information being so quick, and that that translates directly into the world of banking. The banking industry has undergone significant changes in the past few decades, largely due to technological advancements. The rise of mobile wallets, online deposits, e-bill payments and statements, chatbots, and even blockchain as we've seen in recent years has transformed the way people conduct their financial transactions and business as a whole in the U.S. and in the world. This has resulted in a massive cutdown on paper and has made banking more convenient and accessible, which is really a good thing overall. Mobile wallets have made it easier for people to carry out transactions without the need for cash or credit cards. With mobile wallets, people can make payments by simply scanning a QR code or tapping their phone against a payment terminal, or even just paying phone to phone. This has made transactions faster and more accessible with the rapid nature of today's banking industry. Major shifts can take place in the blink of an eye. So with all of this technology, technology ties in in the fact that Things are quicker. Innovation makes things faster, enables people to do things in ways that we never would have beforehand. But that comes with increased risks. We live in a society that moves so much faster than it used to. People demand information on the ready. People are overstimulated. They, they need to be going, 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 which in some ways is unfortunate, but especially in this circumstance, can really, really hurt major businesses that can't move that fast. When you're a massive international corporation or even just a United States-based corporation that has as many assets and has as many employees as Silicon Valley Bank does, the stream of information cannot be as quick as it could be on Twitter for just the average consumer. And panic can set in in the blink of an eye. So with all of these improvements, it is key to note that 
larger companies such as Silicon Valley Bank will have a tough time keeping up and that it can really, really hurt them how fast things shift nowadays. Uh, earlier on, you mentioned that SVB was not the only bank that was affected. Can you tell me how the crisis affected different types of banks? Yeah, it's funny. I, I opened with a little bit of a note about that, but I, I'd be more than happy to expand on it. I'm going to analyze a little bit of how it impacts consumers and businesses, as well as how it affected the perception of banks that I've mentioned a number of times and the financial industry, which isn't just banking. The recent collapse of SVB has sent shockwaves through the financial industry. As regulators race to find a buyer willing to take on SVB and has since found solutions to that, but while it was happening, it was absolute chaos. There was a need for someone to take on SVB's domestic lending portfolio. Some major companies were left scrambling to secure new lines of credit, um, especially the larger startups that had been backed by SVB for the longest time. There are also debates about whether the U.S. needs as many banks as it has now and whether there should be tighter regulations on banks. So there is some push for the leaders in banking in the U.S. to become these massive conglomerates that have more government intervention. People, the people that argue for it, feel that depositors, um, companies, anyone that works with a bank will be more safe and secure due to the massive robust nature that this would create within the banking world. One of the significant impacts of the crisis on consumers and businesses, despite the SVB and I haven't spoken a lot about it, but Signature Bank also failed this week, that past week. Most consumers don't need to worry about bank deposits, experts say. The standard coverage from the FDIC is $250,000 per depositor per bank for each account ownership category. This means that most people are protected up to a certain amount, and the average American is protected up to all the money that they have. However, the bigger risk to investors may be exposure to tech and regional banks. Advisors are warning clients not to make emotional money moves, as this could lead to panic selling or poor investment decisions that can really hurt major banks. Acting on emotion is obviously our human nature, but in a world that is as unfortunately impersonal as the banking world and finance is nowadays, it is important to take a step back and think, well, what am I doing? How do my actions impact the economy, my own financial status, is this necessary to do? I think when we look at the VCs that engage with SVB as a case study, it's really interesting to see that they acted on, not emotion, but they were making a decision without thought for the repercussions of what their actions would be doing. VCs like Peter Thiel's Future Fund had no consideration for the repercussions of what pulling all of their startup's money out of SVB would do. And if they had the foresight to see that it would really ruin SVB, they may have taken a second and said, wait, let us think. We can do this more deliberately with some structure or maybe slowly. We are hurting ourselves. We are hurting the economy. We are hurting many, many more people than just Silicon Valley Bank by doing what we are doing. The crisis has also impacted how banks in the financial industry are viewed. Americans' level of trust in the banks is surprisingly held steady as news of these regional bank collapses have flooded the airwaves. 
couldn't get away from it, especially the week that it was happening. 70% of Americans said that they trust U.S. banks to do what is right in the latest survey. So there is a, a faith in the ethics of C-suite leaders in these banks and that the people in power will do the right thing, which is really a positive thing to see and makes me personally very happy. Compared with February, that number is actually up 4% from 66%, which is wild to me, according to a survey from Morning Consult. However, the crisis has also raised questions about the banking system and its regulatory framework. Some are calling for tighter regulations, as I mentioned before, while others are questioning the need for so many banks. The decision to protect depositors but not investors is due to a systematic risk exception invoked by the Fed, FDIC, and Treasury. It is not indicative of a new policy. However, this could spur a change in deposit insurance law in the future that many, many are calling for. <coughs> Excuse me. The Fed has also unveiled an emergency lending program that, for the time being, will allow banks to put up the type of collateral that SVB dumped for cash loans that will help them meet withdrawal requests. This is a major, major move by the Fed, as it shows that they are taking the crisis seriously and are willing to take steps to mitigate its impact. So to explain a little bit more about what I just said, instead of forcing banks like SVB to sell off all of their assets, non-liquid assets, to meet withdrawal requests for the depositors, they would provide cash against collateral that each bank would put up. So they could put up their assets without having to sell off and take cash in exchange. And that would work itself out over time, but it results in less immediate risk, less panic movements, and less major jolts in banking. Um, the crisis has impacted various banks in different ways. Consumers and businesses are largely protected, but investors may face risks from exposure to tech and regional banks, as I've said. Summing it all up, the perception of banks and the financial street industry as a whole has been affected, but not as much as people might think. There are obviously those calls for changes to come, as any crisis will be followed by. But all in all, the banking system is trusted by Americans, which is really, really a positive thing and shows that there is some stability in our economy and a lot of faith in that people will do the right thing, which is good for humanity as a whole and makes me happy, as I've said before. Uh, could you tell me a little bit more about the actions that were uh, taken by the government and the regulatory bodies to address this issue? Yeah, of course. Another good segue. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> um, U.S. regulators worked through that weekend of the SVB collapse to find a buyer for the bank, which had more than $200 billion in assets. The Biden administration announced that customers of Silicon Valley Bank would have full access to their deposits. These responses were effective because the bank was ultimately bought by First Citizens, which allowed for continuity in services for the bank's customers, meaning that there was no gap in time where a depositor couldn't access their money, which would be in many ways wrong because you put your money into a bank, you have some sense of faith that it is yours, even though the bank is holding it. 
When a bank with over $200 billion in assets is in trouble, it's always a tricky situation to navigate. However, the U.S. regulators worked tirelessly to find a buyer for SVB to ensure that the bank's customers had that access. In addition, the Biden administration announced that customers of the bank would have full access to their deposits, which was a critical move to restore that confidence. And beyond just the logistics of getting money to consumers and making them comfortable in their own assets, it really did a great job of mitigating that panic that I've talked about a number of times. I think the Biden administration did a phenomenal job at keeping people people content. The people at SVB, obviously, there was some panic because that was front page news, but people at other banks had a strong level of comfort that even if this happened to them, they would be all right. The responses were effective because First Citizens ultimately bought the bank and the bank's customers were able to continue their banking services as usual, up until recently. That being said, there were alternative solutions that could have been explored to address this crisis at SVB that my group and I have thought of. One of the things that could have been done was for the government to implement more banking regulations, and they can still do this going forward. Um, Banking regulations can be expanded on banks that cater to niche markets like tech startups or other more niche um, areas of banking and have that oversight to prevent a situation like this from occurring in the first place. This is especially important because niche banks tend to have more complex financial products and a smaller customer bank base, making them much more susceptible to market volatility. By implementing more banking regulations, the government could provide more oversight, thereby reducing the risk of financial institutions catering to niche markets failing. Additionally, the government could have implemented more support for regional banks, especially those catering to specialized markets. Support can come in many different ways, whether that be initiating programs like the collateral program I previously mentioned or some other programs. There's a lot that the government can do and a lot of power that they have to protect banks. Um, This could include measures such as providing loans or grants to banks that are struggling, offering tax incentives for investment in niche banks, or partnering with private companies to provide financial assistance to smaller banks. Excuse me. By supporting these smaller institutions, the government could help maintain a healthy financial ecosystem, which is beneficial for consumers and businesses, really all of us. It also supports the government, by the way. The actions taken by government and regulatory bodies were effective overall in addressing the crisis, but as I've mentioned, there's always more they can do and a lot that we can learn from the crisis going forward because that's something that we all hope to avoid. By implementing more banking regulations on these smaller banks, the government can ensure a healthy and resilient financial ecosystem for everyone, which I see no objections to. Could you tell us a little bit about the lessons that can be learned from this crisis and the uh, potential impacts of future banking crises? Appreciate that, Paul. Um, Yeah, I I spoke a little bit about the first lesson that I think is really important and that we can regulate very differently. And I think there will be a major push for that going forward. But let's consider a few more lessons that can be learned from this banking crisis and other banking crisis that we see a little overlap in. 
One of the key lessons that can be learned from this crisis is that banking regulation works. In this crisis, the FDIC took control of the situation and SVB customers with 250000 or less deposited in insured accounts were able to access their money quickly, if not immediately. As a result of banking regulation, instead of SVB's crash being a long-term crisis, it was merely an inconvenience. The New York Times reported that banking regulation was able to prevent the crisis from becoming a more serious problem, which obviously is a huge thing. Another lesson that we can learn from this crisis is that investors and regulators should pay close attention to the actions of banks and other financial institutions, especially during times of economic uncertainty or policy changes. So with the craziness in today's world, a little increased scrutiny and more attention paid to what each bank is doing is important because given how large these corporations are, there's a lot that can go wrong. There's a lot of people in power that can make bad decisions. And you really need to be attentive to risk management strategies, even when no ill will is meant. Expanding on that, this banking crisis highlights the importance of risk management and transparency in the industry. Banks need to be more transparent about their activities and communicate more clearly with investors and regulators. They also need to have strong policies in place to identify and mitigate those potential risks. It is becoming important, it has always been and is important to note that there are potential impacts of future banking crises. If a banking crisis were to occur in the future, it could have a significant impact on the banking industry and the broader economy, as we mentioned before. The potential impact on future banking crises depends on several factors. If the crisis is an isolated event, then the problems in the banking industry are under control and confidence can return to markets. However, if the crisis is widespread, it could lead to a higher number of defaults. This would cause banks to suffer and become less willing to lend, which would reduce economic activity. In this scenario, there would be a vicious cycle of economic decline, which we really, really hope to avoid. Furthermore, if banks become more risk-averse as a result of the crisis, there could be an impact on the broader economy. Banks may become less, less willing to lend, which could lead to a reduction in economic activity. This would be particularly problematic if the crisis were to occur during a period of economic uncertainty or policy changes. To prevent future banking crises from having an, a significant impact on the economy, as they did with Silicon Valley Bank, it is important for regulators and investors to monitor the actions of banks and financial institutions. Regulators should implement policy changes to increase transparency in the banking industry and ensure that banks have strong risk management policies in place. Investors should also pay close attention to the actions of banks and financial institutions and be prepared to take action if necessary. To wrap all that up, and I know it was a lot, the recent banking crisis highlights the importance of regulation, risk management, and that transparency. A constant theme throughout this podcast is educating yourself. And it is so, so important for investors and regulators to pay close attention to the actions of banks and financial, financial institutions to prevent future crises from having a major impact on the economy and forcing that downturn that I've mentioned before. That is consistent with regular consumers who put their money in a bank just thinking, oh, like, I'll get my credit card. 
their money is at risk too. So making educated decisions is as important as ever. If we take these lessons seriously, we can learn, we can help to ensure the stability of the banking industry and the broader economy in the future. In addition to implementing strong bank regulation, risk management policies, and that keyword transparency, there are other possible ways to prevent similar crises in the future. One of these is through congressional action. This could prevent bank runs and ensure that depositors have access to their money no matter what. Specifically, going above that 250 threshold would be really, really a massive step for the industry. Overall, all these different measures and lessons learned and ways we can improve should and could help ensure the stability of the industry and our entire economic ecosystem to prevent these crises or even lesser crises in the future. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into today's podcast. This has been the Media 101 podcast with Paul and Noah. We started off by providing context on the banking crises and, er, and the uh, impact on the economy. And we then went on to discuss the recent crisis that hit Silicon Valley Bank and its implications. With SVB being a banker to about 50% of all venture capital funded technology and life sciences companies in the United States, then the rise in interest rates led to its clients facing a cash crunch. Some clients started pulling out money, leading to a run on the bank, which was further amplified by social media. From there, we delved into factors that led to the crisis. The Federal Reserve raising interest rates, SVB's clients facing a cash crunch, SVB selling its bond portfolio to loss, and its subsequent announcement of a stock sale that later collapsed. I know, it's a lot. Ultimately, all this led to SVB going into FDIC receivership. We discussed the impact of government policies and banking regulations. The Dodd-Frank Act imposed stricter regulations on the banking sector, but in 2018, this was scaled back, raising the threshold for that increased scrutiny from $50 billion to $250 billion. This regulatory breakdown was behind the collapse of SVB. We also talked about the impact of technological advancements on banking practices. Mobile wallets, online deposits, e-bill payments and statements, chatbots, blockchain, and a massive cut down on paper all contribute to modern banking practices. Finally, we analyzed how the crisis affected different types of banks. The ripple effect of SVB's collapse has affected other banks including smaller community banks that have had to cut back on their lending to cope with the fallout. If you made it here, Thank you. I, I know it's been a lot and it's a lot of information, but we really appreciate you listening. In conclusion of all that, the recent banking crisis has unequivocally highlighted the precarious nature of the financial sector, underscoring the dire need for fortified regulations to mitigate the likelihood of such crises reoccurring. The fallout from SVB's collapse has sent shockwaves through the financial landscape, affecting not only larger banks, but also smaller community banks. And mostly smaller community banks. The swift and devastating impact of the crisis demonstrates the fundamental importance of prudential regulation in the financial sector, particularly in the face of the complex and rapidly evolving technological advancements that continue to shape 
banking practices, and how we do business. The urgent need for a coherent and proactive regulatory framework that can keep pace with the ever-changing financial landscape is now more apparent than ever. Ultimately, this crisis serves as a stark reminder of the critical role that well-designed and executed regulations play in ensuring the stability and resilience of the financial sector and the broader economy as a whole. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. Paul and I really appreciate it. And we hope you have the best of days. Paul, any closing words? Uh, I think that's all. Thank you so much for tuning in.